Do you, uh, do you ever look back at your past and like just wonder how this journey you have been on has unfolded? Or, or maybe, maybe you've had a moment where you've looked back on a section of your life and you've been like, so, so like what was the purpose of that part of my life? Like, it doesn't exactly seem to fit into the, the rest of the picture. Some of you have heard me share that when I was in college, uh, my first two and a half years, I was an electrical engineering major. Um, how I went from electrical engineering into ministry is, a, is another story, another sermon, another time. But, but that is one of those times in my life when I look back and I'm like, like God, what did you have in mind when you let me believe that I was going to be an engineer? God probably responds, well, I didn't have anything in mind. You decided you wanted money and fame. That was your own fault. <laughs> and then, I don't know about you, but every so often when I, when I think about my life, when you look back, and like, like you've got 20-20 vision in reverse, every so often I, I realize that there was something from that period, that God was at work in ways that I didn't even realize. When I was in engineering school, Right? Many of us know how electricity works, right? Essentially, you have a power source, and for the power to, to travel to a light bulb or some other, other thing, right, it, it passes through a circuit. And for the power to run through that circuit, the circuit has to be, the circuit has to be closed. And that's what the switch does, right? The switch closes the circuit so that the power can, can run a loop through that circuit. I remember a professor in one of our entry-level electrical engineering classes, like, sort of explaining this, and we're like, yeah, duh, we learned that in, like, fourth grade. And, uh, and then he went on to say, he goes, yes, but you've got to understand all of the component parts of the circuit. He said, even the wire shouldn't be considered as a, as a single element, but but cells of a metal that all run together that the power travels that the power travels through the electrical impulse going from one to another we should always remember he said that every component every cell is necessary for the power to get from the source to the destination and within the destination every cell Every component is necessary for that, for that power to be transferred into energy or light or something else. If you want to share power to create light or sound, every component and every cell plays a role. Today, it's one of those moments when I realize that maybe... Maybe God had some stuff for me to learn in engineering school that would, that would help as we think about what the Bible says. And today, particularly as we, as we think about Matthew's gospel, I just want to invite you to hold that, hold that idea of the electrical circuit image in mind as we'll see if it can help us see something interesting in Matthew's gospel today. Let's, let's pray. Would you pray with me? Lord, speak to us today. In your words, through my words, in spite of my words, just, God, help me get out of the way so that your word can speak directly to our hearts, can remind us 
this promise and this love that we find in Jesus can inspire us to not just know it, but share it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, we talked about Jesus calling his first followers. We saw that he invited people as they were, where they were, because God's world needed them for who they were. Today, we're going to look at what happens next. We're going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. This is what Matthew says. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering from severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, in the church, many have heard sermons on the calling of the disciples, like we talked about last week. It's kind of a popular topic to, for us as a church to think about how, how does God call us? How does, how does God invite us to, to be followers of Jesus? And lots of people have heard lots of sermons about the Sermon on the Mount, which comes next in Matthew's gospel. And actually, we'll begin to take a look at the Sermon on the Mount next week. But what that means is these three little verses that I just read, they kind of they kind of just get sort of left over as a transition point. Yeah, we needed to get from the calling of the disciples to this really important sermon, and, and so these are the transition verses, and, and I, you don't hear a whole lot of sermons on these three verses. But I thought we might ask today, what, what would happen if we just looked at these three verses? Like Matthew, Matthew has a story to tell, and every part of it's important, so what, what about these three verses? What might Matthew want us to see as Matthew wants us to, to get to know who Jesus is. And we're going to do this because as Matthew transitions, like in this introduction of Matthew's gospel and the calling of the first followers, he's going to transition into Jesus' teaching. And in this little passage, there's, there's this vitally important detail about how the ministry of Jesus grew. We could easily read over this, and we could just think, well, Jesus, he healed people, and, and people wanted to be a, a part of that, and he became kind of a big celebrity, and that's what brought people to Jesus. But there's something else in these three verses, sort of right in the heart of them, something at the heart of verse 24. And it says this, word spread, which means people told other people about Jesus. And people brought those with needs to Jesus. Jesus is at the center of the movement, right? But Jesus isn't alone. Matthew invites us to realize that this, this wasn't just about Jesus. Jesus is at the center of the movement. Jesus is the power source of God's love in the world. But that spreads not only because of Jesus, but because those who had experienced who Jesus was 
who would experience the kind of healing and hope that Jesus offered into their lives, the movement spreads because they went and told other people, or they went and sought out other people who had needs and invited them to come to know the Jesus that they knew. This is how Eugene Peterson translates verse 24 in the message. It says, word got around the entire province of Syria. People brought anybody with a sickness, whether mental, emotional, or physical. Jesus healed them one and all. More and more people came, the momentum gathering. Right, the first people to follow Jesus, to encounter Jesus, they didn't just experience things in their own life and celebrate. They didn't just keep coming to see Jesus so that, so that they wouldn't forget about his power in their own lives. Right? Instead, they went out and they invited others. They advocated for the needs of others. They invited others to experience the healing and the hope that they found. They went and told their stories to others. Look, you, gotta, you, you need to come see this, this Jesus. You need to come experience what Jesus has to offer because this is how it's, how it's changed my life. They went and told about how Jesus had healed and, and gave hope and loved and welcomed. And then they said, and then they said, come with us to meet Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, there's a story that, that kind of echoes this idea. Four men have a friend who is paralyzed. Some of you maybe, maybe know this story. Right? These four guys, they have this friend that's paralyzed, and, and they, they have heard about or they, they know Jesus, and they want their friend to experience this kind of healing too. And so they, they put him on a stretcher, and they carry him to see Jesus. And in Luke's Gospel, it says they get there, and they can't get in. It, like the house is so packed, they can't get their friend. But, but that's not going to stop them. And so it doesn't exactly give us all the details, but, but they, they pull their friend up to the rooftop. And in those days, most houses had like an open courtyard. So we can imagine like Jesus in there and there are people all packed around him, maybe some rooms to the side. They go up on the roof and then they lower their friend down through the open ceiling, probably into this, into this outdoor courtyard in the house where Jesus is. And in Luke's gospel, it's really interesting. When, when uh, Jesus heals their friend, he actually says he's healing them because of the faith of your friends. Right? And this, we put this together with Matthew's gospel. It, it leads to some great questions for us to ask as followers of Jesus today. Like, how are we, the church, advocating for the needs of others today? How are we introducing others to Jesus? What lengths are we willing to go to? What lengths are you willing to go to to bring someone in need to encounter Jesus? And here is the good news that we encounter in this passage today. We can change the world together by inviting people to meet Jesus. We can change the world together by inviting people to just meet Jesus. The world we see, even with the, the pain and, and the struggle and the hurt that is out there, can be changed 
And the way to do that is to be the church together and invite people to meet Jesus, to advocate for others with needs and create a world where more of those needs are met. Our mission as Clay Church is to walk with more people toward a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. To walk with more people. I was in a, in a fraternity in college, same time of life as, as my engineering time, and, uh, um, and one of the things that we were asked as, as fraternity brothers quite regularly was, who have you invited to come experience this, this brotherhood, this, this support structure that you know? was constantly asked, who, who are you inviting to, to come and, and be a part of this group? Because we, we know that this group is, is tight and, and helps with studies and serves the community, and we want others to, to know that goodness. Who have you been out there asking? Our mission of walking with more people, right? If we hear that, it's not just about filling our own spiritual tank, although that's a part of it. Instead, our, our mission is, is to take seriously this invitation of Jesus to keep inviting more people to know the goodness that we know, to invite more people. Now, as a pastor, I know that this is the point where people get sort of uncomfortable. I think this is the point where we often are like, I'm not sure that I have any special talent. I, this cartoon came to me. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before. And I'm like, yeah, I think this is how people feel. Like, do you have any special talent? Yes, the campfire smoke follows me, right? Like, like I, I think we think, well, I, I don't, I, 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 what I'll often hear is, well, I'm an introvert. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just not a natural extrovert like you, which I, I'm an introvert, by the way, in, uh, on that scale. But, um, or, or we'll say we don't know how to talk about Jesus. Or in this world today, in this cultural world today, we're like, I'm nervous about talking about Jesus because I, I don't want to turn people off or, or turn them away, and maybe they don't want to hear what I have to say. Or, or, or some people will be like, what if people know that uh, I'm, I'm not faithful enough, or, or I don't go to church enough, or what if people know that I question my own faith sometimes? And to all those misgivings that we have, I think we can just look at the first followers of Jesus and go, oh my gosh, like they were just fishermen called off their boats, some of them, or tax collectors who, who nobody liked. Right? And they made mistakes, and they didn't have it all figured out either. I'm sure they had the, the same questions. And they, too, they didn't have some grand vision of how to change the world. They were just willing to follow where Jesus led, to share the hope that they found in Jesus. They shared that there was another kingdom that people could belong to, one that looked different than the, than the world that, that people felt like they were living in, one where everybody was welcome and cared for, where needs were met for everybody. They shared with the people they knew, and they shared with the people that they met along the roads of life. And yeah, a lot of people came, but I'm just going to guess, a lot of people probably didn't. But it didn't stop them 
from going out there and bringing with people with needs to meet Jesus. And the world changed. And it feels when we read it, I think, like it changed in one moment. But the truth is, the world continues to change, to be moved towards God's kingdom, one encounter, one life, one moment, one invitation at a time. And we're invited to be part of that change in the world. God's world needs you. We have this invitation. Let's, let's change the world together. At the beginning of this year, Chicago radio personality Lynn Bremer passed away. I don't know if any of you are from the region or or we're in Chicago enough listening to uh, uh, 93XRT. Lynn Bremer was the longtime DJ there. He became known for Lynn's Bin, which was this little spot where people would ask questions, uh, listeners would ask questions, and, and he would answer them. And, and sometimes they were funny, and sometimes they were really deep. Usually they were a combination of the two. They were always, always kind of heartfelt. Lynn developed cancer, had to take a medical leave of absence in 2022. He, uh, he ended up in the hospital with an infection as he was going through chemotherapy treatments, um, and, then, uh, uh, and then was back in the hospital. But in November, he returned to the radio, and he shared with his listeners that he was, he was back working, he was still undergoing chemotherapy, but he'd rather, in his words, he said, I'd, I'd rather be working than moping. On the day of return, in November of 2022, Lynn shared an episode of, of Lynn's bin that spoke of his time away. He, he talked about being in the hospital with, with this infection and how it's really weird you know, when you're fighting to, to save your life, when the doctors are coming in and asking you to sign all these forms about what you want them to do if you're losing your life. And then he shared how he got home from the hospital after the infection, and within a few days, his femur broke, not from any trauma, just the brittleness from the cancer and the treatments had just snapped, and he ended up back in the hospital. And then he, he went on to share an answer to a question that he'd been receiving a lot. How are you? Or how are you feeling? And I'm going to pause here and let you listen. This is Lynn in his own words. How are you doing? The phrase is the very stuff of small talk, a question that can be dismissed in a syllable or two. You say, good, or okay, or as I often like to say, fantastic, because no one really wants an essay. We look back on a weekend where we all try to remember to give thanks. We give thanks for the little things. We give thanks for the grand gesture, where we once gave thanks because the ice cream truck arrived during a Sandlot baseball game on a hot summer day. We now give thanks for the survivors and the hopeful. I returned to radio with a reservoir of gratitude that begins with a woman I first met in college and extends to my hilarious family and friends. 
How do I even begin to express my appreciation for the doctors and nurses at Northwestern who continue to navigate the twists and turns of my disease? And you should know always how much your beautiful words have kept me afloat. There is no speedy recovery in my future. My chemotherapy treatments continue to staunch the spread of my cancer, and I have chosen to work rather than to mope. If you've ever wondered what song I played on my first radio show in 1991, it was the song that goes, Home is where I want to be, but I guess I'm already there. It was the night before the femur surgery, when the night nurse who witnessed the pain of my broken bone said, I've been praying on you. I smiled at her and said, You've been praying on me? She said, Yes, I have. This woman, unknown to me a day before, was now offering me divine solace, the kind of grace that isn't taught in medical school. And when I moved and winced in the hospital bed, she squeezed my left hand and began to pray for me aloud with such faith and fervor that it was hard not to be emotional. And in that darkened hospital room, with my wife standing on one side of the bed and the nurse on the other side, speaking from her soul, I realize this moment will fill a region of my heart forever. How am I doing? I'm doing okay. And to tell you the truth, that's fantastic. How are you doing? I don't know Lynn's faith background. I suppose I could have searched and found more, but the truth is that whatever it is, his willingness to share this divine encounter that he had with Jesus through his nurse will invite, has invited thousands of people, thousands of his listeners to know this love of Jesus. But there's something more in his story Right? There's the nurse who was willing for who she was and where she was just to grab on to his hand and to pray on him. To invite him to encounter the love and healing from Jesus that, that she knew. Where she was as she was. One simple act that God was able to forward to thousands of people throughout the, the Chicago area and, and beyond as an invitation to know this love of Jesus and its transformative power, that, that power to fill those holes and those spaces in our lives that need filling. And Lynn wasn't healed in the physical sense that, that we often hope for in the moment, but he experienced healing. He experienced the kind of healing that, that holds our soul in the love of Jesus even beyond death. You see, the world, one, one witness, one, one life, one moment at a time, it changes when we're willing to invite others to experience the love of Jesus. The world changes even if just for one person, when we offer a little bit of the hope that we know in Jesus. The world changes when we go out and we meet the needs of someone and when they ask why we are there helping them as a, as a stranger, helping somebody we don't know, or even helping a family member, we tell them it's because we want them to know the love of Jesus. 
The world changes. When you do as much as simply holding the hand of someone and offering them assurance that there is hope even beyond death. And in each of these acts, right, we become the conduit that closes the circuit and allows God's power to flow from us to light for the world. We aren't the source of the light. We don't have to be the source of the light. We don't have to have it all figured out. But when we connect to Jesus and when we connect to someone else, God's love and God's power flows through us and brings that light into the world. No special skills required. Just a a willingness to hold on to God and to hold on to those in need. And then, Matthew tells us, when news of that kind of love spreads, more and more people want to know it. The movement grew, Matthew says, further out from the Sea of Galilee. One person, one encounter, one life changed at a time. Now it's our turn. God's world needs you. Let's change the world together.